uh, very few people really see what reality is. They see what's presented to them. And every so often I go off tangent from just reading what they're doing to us. Because I, I believe if you just keep telling the public what they're doing to us, it tends to freeze us in panic and fear. And in a sense that helps them do what they want to do. So sometimes I take a break away from just that and mix in some other ways to view what's really happening. Now, uh, this, uh, because people lack, and no wonder we lack the knowledge and uh, the, the facts of what's happening is kept from us. Uh, it's no wonder there's so many different theories out there as to what's actually happening. And we'll go into that when I come back from this break. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just going off on a bit of a tangent tonight to just to, to show what we all go through, all the different tangents of thought what we go through. But most people start to wake up. It's generally because they're being hit personally by laws enacted, um, things like airport uh, holdups, body searches, stuff like that. Most folk never complain until they personally are hit by anything. That's just the way it is. That's why we also allow people to, to, to use our money and go off to wars across there somewhere. It's always over there, like the song says. And as long as it's over there, it's, it's too remote to be real to us. Too remote. So we're not really concerned. Especially when they're using techniques. And they do use techniques in the media to give us such a, a, an overload of useless data coupled with entertainment that everything becomes surrealistic and bizarre and therefore nothing is really real at all at one minute you're watching a movie where the big tall guy with the blonde draped over his arm and the big gun is blasting his way through some city and killing everybody all the bad guys can never shoot straight you notice and um it's fiction, and the next minute you're, you're seeing bombs go up or, or unmanned drones explode in some Pakistani village on the news, and uh, they tell you that 40, 50 civilians were just blown up and stuff like that. It doesn't register to the public because it's not at your back door. That's why big things like this are allowed to happen, even when wars have broken out in the past in Europe. If it's long as it was some other country, uh, and not your country, especially if there was one or two countries between you, you didn't take it too seriously. It was again, it was over there somewhere. But when it eventually came to your own back door and you become the refugee, uh, then you, you, then you start bitching and complaining and asking, well, what's been going on? What's all? What's been going on? Is what's always been going on? It's just that you didn't notice it. That was come to you. And people tend to panic when they first wake up because they've been given a set reality from birth generally kicked off by their parent or parents it's all different now they used to have standard families it's all kind of strange families now and uh, they call them the, the nuclear I call them the nuclear family because the government knows everything about them and uh, a parent or parents will indoctrinate them with what they were given as reality that starts everything off. So the child asks questions, what's this, what's that, what does it mean, why, why is this happening? And they're told the pad answers that satisfies the parents. 
and the parents themselves think they're quite sane because those around them all get the same information given to them and this is the beauty of the information age everyone gets the same downloading daily from the same medias across the world so as long as you bounce off what you think is real and reality uh, to each other you all think you're sane and no one questions the validity of the information that's been given to them they have no reason to suspect that that man on the news is generally a, a, an older guy, a father figure they keep till he's fallen off his seat because you're grown up with him as, and he's a daddy, you see and daddy would never lie to you and he, every night at 6 o'clock, there he is staring right at you as you sit there munching away on whatever frozen foods you have or whatever, fast foods and he'd never lie to you why should he lie? It doesn't dawn on us that why would they pay uh, sometimes $800,000 a year to someone to read a dummy board? Because that's all they do, is stare at the camera, look very convincing as though they know what they're talking about. But they're really just reading a dummy board. It's because you, his, his job is very important. He's the big daddy that you've grown up with. And we've seen it in the past, especially in the U.S., uh, where uh, people would give you the news and, and they say that's the way it is and everybody believed them and when they retire uh, then it comes up and it's even up on YouTube they, they all belong to the world Federalist Society World Federation and yet they've been taken for generations as being the nationals the ones who decide they're leading you as a, a national and a sovereign nation everything is deception but they're not doing it by themselves obviously it takes incredible coordination and organization to make this work and this technique is not a new technique at all it's certainly better today with instant communication between those who control and different departments that control but you can go back into the, the 1700s especially when organization was really making itself felt and people are moving from the old feudal system into industrial systems with organization and managerial classes rising up and with the managerial classes uh, came data collection and statistics and planning long-term planning it didn't take a lot of people who were well educated and well indoctrinated into a particular agenda to guide a country often from behind the scenes it hasn't changed today it's interesting that the old sci-fi movies for instance even the old Star Trek ones and I have articles here from William Shatner who can't keep his mouth shut at times he's, he's pushing that ego as he always did but he admits that um, many of the stories were taken from NASA and that Roddenberry as I've said over the years Roddenberry was a member of NASA what's NASA got to do with science fiction well it's because NASA is part of the military industrial complex that works towards not exploring just space but controlling the whole planet through a series of communication satellites tracking all that kind of stuff that's what they're really all about and so Roddenberry was, was in there and they were working towards a global society a post-sovereign nationhood type society therefore they wrapped the stories in to the Star Trek series we saw them always meeting different aliens 
and this was the multicultural society that's what they were showing you and you always found out too that the Star Trek Enterprise it's interesting they had the God bless us on this Enterprise and the seal and the Enterprise well, you have to wonder whose Enterprise is who's entering for the prize who we're all going along with it we, we won't get the booty but somebody's going to get the prize we'll get the boot but anyway uh, the the Star Trek and uh, would meet all these different kind of aliens and the ones who were would eventually join the Great Federation, which is the United Nations, of course, were good guys. Sometimes a bit odd and strange and humorous, but they're all good guys. The ones who stood up for their own planet were always the bad guys, like the Klingons. They clung on to the old way, so they called them Klingons. And they, they, they were self. Um, Sustaining, they didn't need to be involved in somebody else's trade system, or I guess global or galactic taxation system, for that matter either. So we've been programmed all down through these years. But in some of the shows, they showed you something that was shown much much earlier, and it came from an idea. They did not come from H. G. Wells, but H. G. Wells wrote about it, and what he was doing was telling people, uh, in a sense that a group, a small group of men already ruled the world in the, in the early days of H.G. Wells and had done before he came along. And we know this is so from the writings of uh, the, the funders, just like today, that there were foundations back then that had already funded uh, the revolutionary societies and coordinated the different revolutionary societies in different countries across the whole of Europe and the Western world very wealthy people often the same people really descendants we have the descendants today who own the, the foundations who fund the non-governmental organizations that have taken over from these old revolutionary societies but still it's the same format and in the Star Trek series they often show you as I say uh, a planet where uh, three or four brains were hooked up together maybe five brains the elders this kind of stuff Wells talked about it too he called it the world brain and he talked about the world brain, how again a small group, and he inferred basically that, that the time, but through science, they would be timeless, ageless, deathless basically, they'd be immortal, but they could rule the world with all the wisdom of the world, who talked to this global brain. And then we see all that in the futurist articles, the same things coming out to do with the world brain where everyone's going to get hooked into this world computer society, this new virtual reality, and we're going through a paradigm shift, I love that term, paradigm shift, and what you're going through today with, uh, all the, with, the, with the velvet glove of the fist, I might say, of the iron fist, the glove comes off, and they're using brute force and the threat of brute force to make everybody, to ensure that everybody just goes along with this new totalitarian phase while they work out all the rest of the agenda of depopulation over a 50 year period to bring in the new phase where all the ones that they basically picked out through their DNA etc will be allowed to breed in the future after the year 2050 and go on a much smaller more reduced population but always remember as they're hooked into this global mind you may call it uh, always remember that the big boys thems uh, them themselves, like um, Charles Galton Darwin, 
who talked about things like this himself, he said, we, the elite, must never alter ourselves. We have to alter everyone else's ability for self-preservation. Because when the state is taking care of all the decision-making, the people won't need self-preservative abilities. But the elite who are guiding the ship of Earth, we, the elite, he said, must be natural, we must be wild, he said. So they will not chip themselves. In other words, you're looking at literally a complete takeover, not of, of just the world and its resources. But during the progress, the process of this, the taking over the minds of everyone who will work towards what they want before we're, we're all killed off. I'll be back with more on this theme after this break. Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix just going off again on a tangent tonight to show you how we can have a, a reality given to us, reinforced by school uh, again reinforced by all entertainment, there's nothing you can watch out there for entertainment that does not contain politically correct messages of how you should perceive a particular thing object, person or whatever inside of it and getting back to H.G. Wells. Now, H.G. Wells was picked out um, of school. Uh, he was a, a real people pleaser. He wanted to be up with the elite, but uh, he was literally the son of a, a drunk who played professional cricket that he got hired in those days to play professional cricket, going around as an extra on the team. And his mother was a maid for a very wealthy family. So he despised the working people that he saw passing, going on the, work, the way to the factories every day. He was terrified of joining them. That was generally the worries of those who played upstairs, downstairs, and slept under the kitchen tables, the, the, the helping classes that they were called for the elite. And he was picked out because of this uh, insatiable desire to get up the ladder. And he was made a propagandist. He was picked out and he joined the Red School Thai uh, class, it was called, Red School Thai for Revolution, uh, picked out by Sir Thomas Huxley the best friend of Charles Darwin and he was personally coached by him and picked out to be a propagandist eventually for the Fabian Society as a founder and also as uh, a member of the, of the Royal Institute for International Affairs a private Bilder, Bilderberger type organization very big, very powerful with the CFR, the American counterpart actually his sister but he talked about the coming New World Order in a book called uh, The Open Conspiracy. And they tell partial truths. It was an open conspiracy. The data's there if you want to go into the old books written by bureaucrats and high-level civil servants who retire and write their biographies. But they don't tell you all the story, of course. It wasn't. It was open to an extent, but all the details were kept hidden from the public. But he did, did say that he says thousands, thousands will die fighting the new world order. But he says it's inevitable that it will win. He also said in another book where he he met the founder of or the, the funder, I should say, the funder, maybe the founding funder of the Fabian Society, uh, and it was. Um, 
it was um, the uh, the rich people who came over from New York to live in Britain called the Astors and it was Lady Astor who invited him and many others to a party and she said we can't fail and she wasn't saying we can't fail or my goodness sake uh, she was actually saying we can't fail because they had the, already the sciences of controlling the minds of millions of people they already had made inroads into a world educational society at that time and you condition one generation of people across the world of children uh, into the same format and really you've got them from then on the same things that Lenin talked about but it's an open conspiracy to an extent he wrote again another book called uh, the M a modern utopia well worth the read very boring but uh, worth the read because he tells you how they get rid of all the useless eaters not by just killing them off like uh, Lenin and, and Stalin did and um, uh, the Nazis but uh, by sterilizing them and living, allowing them to live out their lives so it was more humane he thought and um, the world would be a sort of controlled world society everybody would have a function in it there would be a particular class system with the samurais of all people the samurais another name for the guardian class uh, that Plato talked about and that was his favorite book by the way well his favorite book was Plato's Republic so no, there's nothing new under the sun it's just that the public are always thought we're living on the cutting edge and, and things like this have never happened before that's what we, we think that's what we're taught to think and of course the last thing they want you to know is hey you're just living through a script here now the big boys themselves who are doing everything they opposed during the Cold War which was during the Cold War they expected uh, the communists to try revolutions within the countries the communists hoped uh, to start world revolutions off they hoped that the governments would overreact by being totalitarian on all of the citizens with security and Gestapo like uh, tactics or KGB tactics and that would further the cause of revolution and then people would rise up and overthrow their government that's what the communists hoped so why is it why is it that the governments are doing those very things which they know about because they, they, they wrote about these techniques they understood the communist technique why are they doing those very things today coming down with again with the iron fist on their own public why are they bringing it in an age of chaos well they're bringing it in because it's time to bring it in and out of that guided chaos they will go through they hope into a new world order into a global society under initially the United Nations and once the vast bulk of the population are dead in about 50 years or so and they've brought in their transhumanist society and their better robots and all the rest of it better cloning techniques they will branch off into super city states across the world which will be very very high tech as was left of the old man that didn't perish in the wars and the starvation that's to come dies off out in the countryside back with more after this break you're listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth 
Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. Now, again going back to H.G. Wells' day, he, like many of the authors and novelists of his time, admitted too, by the way, in the book uh, America's Cultural Cold War, where the CIA ran the cultural industry for the United States and a good part of Europe too, uh, through the 50s, 60s and 70s and 80s that's where the book ends because it was, everything was declassified up until then they never gave up of course and what people thought in fact with, with uh, all the the stuff that was coming out in the 60s and 70s to do with um, promiscuity uh, the strange art that was nihilistic and all that stuff they thought it was communists who were doing that it was actually funded by the CIA your own secret services were bringing you down why? Because they're working for their masters, not for the public, to bring in a global society. And they don't see the peasants of one country as being any better than the peasants of another. Something that H.G. Wells already knew long before that. And he knew too that his masters funded the wars across the world. The big bankers funded wars everywhere. The big bankers funded the, the setting up of the Soviet system. They could not have got off the ground. Their mind continued without its constant aid from the West. We fed the Soviet Union right through the Cold War until the Berlin Wall symbolically came down. And that's all it was, was symbolically. Remember, a wall divides two people. It doesn't stop people just getting in. It stops people from getting out. And the sim symbolism from the Soviet, the high Soviet side, as Gorbachev pretty well said, was to let them go out and expand into the next phase of joining with the West into this new system, not quite capitalist, not quite communist, this new socialist order. Exactly what the big boys always wanted, a regimented, planned society. And we're just going through the chaos now, and it will last quite some time, this chaotic period, and even if we're still on the airwaves in four or five years' time, are allowed to be on the airwaves, we'll still be giving you the latest what they're doing to us stories that are churned out all the time as we go through the changes. And we're trained to go through the changes until they have a generation, a young generation, who are already 10, 12, whatever, who will be 15 and 20 years of age, who will see things entirely differently from the way that we see them today because of their indoctrination scientific indoctrination that I've gone on about many times over the years and uh, then we're, we're bypassed that was always a technique to be used get the children, indoctrinate them alter their viewpoints and everything and then they grow up and bypass the parents the parents then are of no no use, they're no, they're, they're no threat they're bypassed that's what we're going through, changes, massive changes, chaos, to the, to the person from the inside not understanding what's happening or why, it seems to be self-chaos. But it's an organized chaos, because out of the chaos is, is the guided order, the new order of things, the third way, as they also call it, a vegetarian society. It will be vegetarian. Do you really think the attack on uh, wiping out most of the meat industry of Europe over what appear to be one cow and uh, one scientist's opinion on things?
you really think that was just because there was a prion suddenly loose all over the place it's only a few years ago that I can remember seeing the photographs from Britain and from the newspapers pyramids, I'm not kidding you, pyramids of cattle and pigs and everything were burning, pyramids, thousands of them as they flew in and military operations, they flew in troops right into the farmyards and gunned down all the animals and took off and left it all to the farmer to deal with one after another and then you get Alvin Toffler with his Third Way, the book that Newt Gingrich was giving to every congressman. And in the book it said, from Toffler, who has always been a total communist, it said that the system we're bringing in will be a vegetarian society. And sure enough, a lot of people went vegetarian because they're terrified to eat meat after that. Then you have the H1N1. Oh, they're killing the chickens off across Canada, all the hens. Hens have always had H1N1. Always. This is another part of your protein diet mixed, uh, gone. In Holland, a lot of people went there to, to breed goats instead. Thousands, I think 300,000 goats ordered to be destroyed recently because of a different kind of disease they claim has broken out there. They're telling you not to eat fish. Oh, it's full of mercury, they say. Just eat our modified vegetables. Everything is going to a plan. Everything is going to a very old plan, in fact. Just like I started off the show, these elders, they always have the elders of a group running their, their part and their time of the world. Just like they show in the sci-fi movies. Another movie you see is Millennium. And I think Chris Christopherson is in it. An older movie. And it's the same sort of idea, a future society uh, with elders under, living underground. And the elders are living in these sort of glass tubes. Again, like the Star Trek episodes they would show you. Um, and they're kept alive by high technology. Very ancient minds with lots of wisdom. That kind of stuff, you see. And the public haven't really a clue what's behind what happens. They're told, be worried, be very, very afraid. Every day they're told that by the media. Allegorically, of course. But that's the message. Be very, very afraid. Government has declared, government has decreed one thing after another. And your bank bailout was all part of it too to put you further into legal this is the whole point about it it's very legalistic this system legal debt where the next few generations probably won't be able to pay off the interest on the debt which means they're, they're all going to be slaves they'll do what they're told I said from the beginning any country that started off borrowing money from another or from another banker outside its own country in fact when, when any country has to borrow money at all when it has the power to tax to keep itself afloat should live within its means but if it has to borrow at all outside of that then you just lost your government and that's happened a long time ago everywhere because the bankers want that, they encourage it. I used to wonder why socialism, which is what the, the banking elite and the communist elite want, I used to wonder why socialism always wanted, well, let's spend our way out of depression. 
Now, they mean spending it by using tax money and, and using money which is borrowed from the bankers to spend your way out. Of, how can you spend your way out? It's like having a temporary reprieve after you've bought a lot of stuff on a credit card and then you can't use the card again. This is so dumb and stupid. Slavery. Slavery was defined by Jefferson when he said that when a, a, a generation is born into a system where they have to pay off a previous generation's debt, they are de facto slaves. And yet it's taken as normal today. Do you realize how small all governments would be if they had to live within their means just from their taxes only? With no ability to borrow from bank, banks at all. Why should they be borrowing from banks at all? It's because those who own the governments, you see, and yes, they are owned, it's not owned by the people, have their own agenda. And as I say, it's a very old agenda. They know where they're going. They know where they've been. They know where we are now. They work through think tanks. Every possible reaction that we could have and different sects of society could have to everything they introduce into society right now. They know how their reactions will be and how to counter everyone. It's all done through think tanks working with massive computer systems like the RAND Corporation. During the Cold War, remember, and everyone in the Western world, every citizen, with all the census reports and data and births, marriages, deaths and everything else in places of work, everybody was entered as a number into the RAND machines. And they ran us all under game theory. I've gone through game theory before. Why? It was for predictability purposes. They know how every single individual will react. Because you have, they have their total personality profile on them. On you. And for them to be safe at the top, everyone must be 100% predictable in all of their dealings and in their actions. Someone who's not predictable is a threat to them. Someone who understands what's happening and can convey it to others is a threat. That's why Lord Bertrand Russell stated in his own book, and I've read it on the air, I show pages from it, who worked for again for this global socialist system. He said, we shall have to bring over those ones, those children, he said, that they catch at school. They catch you. That's what he says, you catch at school. And give them grants and give them scholarships to get into our system to work for us. And once they're in it, they'll get used to the status, um, the, the fact that doors will be opened for them, and they'll belong to an upper elite. Uh, he said, they'll, they'll be ours. If we can't, if they will not go along with that, and, and if they won't leave their family and their own way, their old way behind them, meaning they're bonding to a culture or a people or a class, he says we, we shall have to annihilate them, eliminate them. Because that person, that lone person, could convey his knowledge to someone else or to people in such a simple way they understand it. And that's the greatest threat that they have. That's why Matsu Tong said he wasn't scared about bombs or bullets. He said he was scared of, of someone with an idea. That's why the United Nations has stated that uh, individuality is their greatest threat. 
That's why they go on with all this terrorist stuff about the lone wolf. And they're telling everyone, if there's someone in your area who's very solitary, please let us know. They could be a danger. So a solitary person, a person who likes time to perhaps to read and think, is a danger. Do you believe that you're a danger to the biggest military forces on the whole planet? Isn't that something? Isn't that what you would call overreaction? Or is it overreaction? These guys know from previous experiences in their history along this course towards their unified planned society. The planned society, we're just going through the, the external phases of the planned society. We'll, we'll eventually go into the planned breeding system and all the rest of it. That's still to come. But they, they know from previous experience that it's, it's the individual that makes the changes and upsets them, throws them off, delays them here and delays them there in their actions. So therefore they have to demonize people by saying, oh yeah, they're antisocial. They don't want to join in communitarian events. George Bush Sr. was the first one to tell the Western world that the way of the future was communitarianism. Didn't say communism, no. Just changed it a little tad, just like Orwell talked about the constitution of the animals in Animal Farm. Just changed something at the end, or a word, or a, a vowel, or a letter here, there. Communitarianism. And if you'll notice, all your local TV and local newspapers are all going about community events. Everything's a community event. One day, if you don't turn up at these silly community events, they'll be around to see you, to see if you're anti-social. Why, why aren't you coming to the community event? This is all still to come. As Big Brother gets harder and harder, trying to get us all under the same system so that we're 100% predictable. Therefore, all of the stuff that the media churns out every day, and I read a lot of it here too, others do as well, without understanding where it came from, where it's been, where we are now, and where we're going, without understanding that, all the, the, the data will do is further terrify you. When you understand what's happening, the fear leaves you, because you can predict where they're going to go and what they would do in this area next, and that area next, and that area next. That's why I've said over the years what would happen next. And I said at 2001 when that happened, I said, I think it was even that night, I said that you're going to see everything that you see in a normal warfare. ID cards, totalitarian self-movements by the government for security, but I also said you'll even see rationing coming in food rushing, all those things, and even people getting moved from one area to another will happen. And folk would think, oh, that's crazy. All it was was the towers went down the whole country, isn't it? Oh, yeah, really? Look what happened at New Orleans. FEMA came in, and for the first time, people couldn't were, were disallowed from helping each other. It was forbidden to help your neighbors in distress. It's a wait till FEMA came in to deal with it. And the reason he gave us, you're, you're not um, trained in rescue. So, so during that period waiting for FEMA to get moving, God knows how many folk died and drowned and came off the roofs and all the rest of it into the water. That was also a training exercise for the public. Day after day we saw helicopters going past them and over them and no one is dropping them food, water or anything. 
that was all designed that way to make the viewer also feel helpless helpless all the school buses from all over the state traveled there routinely in practices to, to get people out they were stopped by FEMA from taking people out they were turned back three times so yeah and what to do with those people they moved them all over the US that's refugees folks that's refugees if they could have got the ball rolling with their fake flu and they wouldn't have to have a real flu it's a fake flu give you a few pictures on the television with someone in, in those white suits and over the oxygen masks carrying a stretcher or some plague victim uh, show that a few times just like that one mad, mad cow they said, they said was mad same cow they showed time after time for over a year going across the same farmyard the same photographs of someone in a stretcher and say my god it's a plague and everybody would do exactly as they're told seeing is believing watch wag the dog perceptions Bernays talked about propaganda he liked the term propaganda he gave America its culture of consumerism for the whole of the 20th century he was taught this by much higher forces than him much much older too of how people can be manipulated en masse using techniques that appeal to unconscious drives well they're still doing it today and it works very very well back with more after this break and we're cutting through the matrix tonight I didn't know where I was going to go at all I had all these stories up and I thought they're all scary stories as always put out by the mainstream which is meant to terrify us into stasis uh, immobility to an extent so I thought I'd give it a bye and then I went off on a tangent as say, because we have to go off on a tangent at times to, to see an overview of things and realize we're only living through one generation of an ongoing designed system that knows where it's going guys wrote about it in the times of my grandfather and before and uh, they're still working it today and they know themselves that uh, out of this, this is why they love the symbol of the phoenix, out of this chaotic period as the old system dies off don't think for an instant this is all just to keep the system and those in power, all this security stuff and, and totalitarian measures, it's not just to keep that system in power, far from it. It's to manage the public as they bring us through into a new system. That's what it's about. It's not your own sovereign governments doing this. They're doing this across the whole planet in concert with each other. Planned chaos. There's always a guide who comes through the chaos. There many names for the guide in the esoteric stuff, just to, uh, as allegories, basically. But they're getting us through the chaos. They know where we're going. And, and of course, out of this, the, the new phoenix will be born, their lovely utopia, with uh, a decimated population, uh, a good genetic stock to breed with, or else clone as workers, and um, high, high technology. Their total faith in science, that they won't have so much science then, they won't need all the types of human labor that they have in the past. 
So war was declared on the public an awful long time ago, an awful long time ago. And it was so odd to be brought up in a socialist country like Britain and to fathom out for yourself that these socialists actually, when you read the intelligentsia of the socialists, they were nothing to do with the working people whatsoever. They used all the minority groups they could as an excuse for revolutionary purposes and to complain and, and bitch about the old system. But they, they really wanted to, to bring down the populations. As I say, H.G. Wells is a classic figure for that. One of many of these classic figures who wrote openly about the need to drastically reduce the population. The useless eaters, as Lord Bertrand Russell called them. I think he was a third or fourth or fifth generational Lord Bertrand Russell. And here he is, a peer of the British realm, a blue blood, who was supposedly socialist. Why would he, with all his dough and his loot and his castles, be, be interested in with the workers? Well, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. He had incredible disdain for the workers and for most other peoples, other classes. They also hated the middle class, by the way. Still do. Delete. And that's why he came up with so many comments and said people would, would rather die and think. In fact, most do. That's what he's another comment that he made. So many different comments. And these were the socialist leaders, the guys who went over to to watch the experiment, as they called it. Their other, see, the U.S. was one experiment, and the, the the Soviet system was their other, their second experiment. And the Dodds Commission, uh, Norman Dodds uh, uh, Commission for the Rees Commission of Congress, said that their job was to bring both systems together, the Soviet and the West. And they've done it. We're going through the mayhem into the next phase of the plan. So if that makes any sense to you, it's off the top of my head. As I say, nothing was planned tonight. I haven't read the articles I was going to read, but I, I hope that gives a, gives a little break to see an overview of what's really going on. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me or God, or your gods go with you.